Hello and welcome to 818's Queen City Podcast. I'm your host, Arrow Roots. Today, we'll be interviewing Jim Kosky about the Great Fire of Marquette. This is our first podcast in the Great Events of Marquette History Series. Good afternoon. Good afternoon, Arrow. Let's get straight to the first questions. Okay. So, the first thing we were wondering is, um, when did the fire happen? Okay, the fire, which is literally the biggest thing that has defined the city of Marquette, happened on June 11th, 1868. Marquette was only 19 years old at the time, and like many teenagers, Marquette was an insanely messy place. Okay. Everyone thinks of Marquette these days as a beautiful place with parks and, you know, gorgeous buildings, and it is. But on June 11th, 1868, Marquette looked like um, the typical room of a typical 12-year-old boy. Okay. There was garbage everywhere. (laughs) The streets were dirt. The buildings and the sidewalks were all made of wood. Hmm. And it was sidewalks made of wood. Sidewalks made of wood, yeah. Yes. And of course they didn't have cars back then and so they had all of these stands, wooden stands out in front of buildings where you mm-hmm. could uh, tie up your horse yeah. and your wagon if you needed to. And there was dust everywhere, there was dirt everywhere. So like I said, you might be able to relate to this. Marquette looked like the living space of a twelve year old boy. Well, that's very interesting. <laughs> well, it was only 19 years old at the time, and this was in 1868. Uh, you know, so it was before literally any modern uh, convenience had been invented. Yeah. So. Wow. Wow, that's that's kind of crazy to think about. <laughs> yeah, and and actually, market was really kind of small at that time too. There were only about four thousand people living in Marquette as opposed to the 20-some thousand who are here now. And the city itself was not that big. And it was separated into two different areas. Uh, Downtown Marquette at the time, which is where Mm -hmm. all the businesses were, uh, because all the docks were in Lower Harbor. Maybe I should uh, preface this by saying there's one reason Marquette exists, and that's to ship out iron ore from places elsewhere in the UP. Uh, Marquette is blessed with two natural deep water harbors. Uh, one here in Lower Harbor was the first one that they developed. So in 1858 or 1868, one of the reasons that Marquette was so dirty was because you had all of these trains going to four different docks in Lower Harbor bringing iron ore. And, you know, so aside from all the wood, all the dirt, all the horses, you also had ore dust everywhere mm-hmm. as well. So that's why Marquette was so dirty. So on that, um, so it was quite more in, way more industrial than it, than the, now literally the only like i said the only reason marquette existed and at that time the only thing that happened in downtown marquette was railroads was shipping out the iron ore and so there were four docks uh shipping out the iron ore like four i was docks? saying four 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 wow four in, in fact the pilings of two of them are still in lower harbor when you go on the dock where Phil's is, that dock was there. And then the one dock where there's the small pier closest to the Big Ore dock, that was the old Cleveland dock. That was built just in 1863, mm. so that was built just five years before the fire. So like I was saying, downtown Marquette at the time was really small. 
it basically went up to about where Ridge is, over to where 4th Street is, and then all of these houses right here. Mm -hmm. And then on the other side of the Whetstone Creek, which is the other side of what's now the US 41 bypass, that's where a lot of the people in Marquette lived. That's where all the working people lived, all the immigrants who had come from different places, and all the people who owned the businesses lived on this side of the creek, on the downtown side. So. So just to set up, that's huh. what Marquette was like on June 11th, 1868. Wow. That's <laughs> way different. It is. That's for sure. <laughs> How do historians think the fire started? Well, it started, they're, they're pretty sure they know exactly where it started. There's a question as to exactly how it started. Uh, what happened was where the old train station is in downtown Marquette right now, uh, right near the Marquette Commons. Uh, that yep. was the machine shop of the old Marquette and Ontonagon Railroad. Oh. And that's where they would fix all their cars and all their locomotives. And there was a night watchman there. Right in the middle of town. Right in the middle of town. I said it was dirty, didn't I? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so uh, about 11 o'clock on the night of uh, June 11th, uh, a night watchman, noticed a fire had started in that machine shop. Have no idea how it started. This was the 1860s, you know, fire started all the time because no one had any safety measures or anything like that. And one of the bad things about that night is it was one of those very hot summer days where you have a southwest wind coming up and just mm -hmm. makes Marquette, you know, really sticky and uh, really hot. And it was one of those days. And he noticed part of the building was on fire and mm. within 10 minutes of him noticing that the building was on fire most of downtown marquette was on fire <laughs> wow so it spread quite fast it's it spread really fast and uh how it started was because the wind was blowing from that direction it um wasn't blowing toward the lake it wasn't well it was kind of blowing toward the lake but it was blowing south the wind was coming from the south, so it was blowing everything north. So there's a kind of a chronology to this whole thing. And what happened was the once the fire started to really consume uh, the machine shop, uh, that's when all heck broke loose. Now, you have to remember that this was a time when Marquette did not have a fire department. Marquette did not have no fire department. No fire department. It did not have any kind of underground water system as well. You know how we have a, you know pipes and everything these days? Yeah. Uh, didn't have that. The only thing that Marquette had to fight a fire was an old hand pump. You could stick a hose in the lake, use the pump, and hopefully some water would come out of the other end to try to fight the fire. Obviously. That's all. That's all. So no fire department, no nothing. So w once the flames... Uh, left the machine shop, the, the night watchman, whose name was James Miller, by the way, uh, alerted everyone, there's a fire, there's a fire. They brought the pump out. Obviously, it didn't work. And within just a couple of minutes, uh, the wind had blown the flames across Main just Street. Just didn't work. Didn't, well, no, it didn't. Uh, the flames not. had blown across Main Street, and they started to consume all the buildings between Main Street and Washington Street. And there were a lot of uh, important businesses there, including uh, a store that was owned by Philo Everett. And Philo Everett was one of the guys who actually started iron mining in the UP. And he had a big store. Uh, what is... Uh, on what is now the corner of Main and 3rd, so right across the street 
from the market commons where market wallpaper and paint is now and that he was trying taking merchandise out in the street to, you know, try to stop because his building was burning. Of course, the merchandise then caught fire in the street. And like so many people that day, he lost everything. And the fire burned that part of Marquette. And then it also jumped across Front Street. Now, where the upfront building is now, that was actually Marquette's first office building. It was a big building they had just built uh, in 1864, 1865. Okay, so that's pretty recent. Yeah, it was called the Burt Block. And it was a three-story building. It was the biggest building in the UP. And among the things it held was the Marquette's first city library. And it also held the the brand-new First National Bank, which was owned by Peter White. And this was in the days before you had the FDIC, the Federal Deposit Insurance Corporation, So if your money was in a bank and that bank burned down, you lost all your money. So Peter White did something that uh, has loomed very large in his legend. What Peter White did, knowing that if his building burned and the bank burned, everyone would lose everything, took out all of the money, all of the records, all of the certificates that were in his bank, uh, brought them down to the harbor, put them in a rowboat, Sent several employees out with guns. How big of a rowboat? Uh, enough to fit all the money. Okay. Okay. So uh, and, big. Yeah, big. And basically, it wasn't to- a little dinghy. No, it wasn't a dinghy. It was. I mean, it wasn't like an ore freighter, but it was a boat that could carry all this stuff. Mm-hmm. And he told them to go out in the harbor and wait till the fire was done, which they did. And then within an hour, you said they had guns to protect the money. Yeah. Well, and, and that makes sense, right? Yeah. Yeah. And within an hour after him doing that. His building burned to the ground. So if he hadn't well, done that, <laughs> everyone in Marquette who was had money in that bank would have lost that money. And so basically, it was spreading in that direction. It was spreading toward the lake. And within uh, probably a half an hour after that, three out of the four ore docks caught fire. Okay, one of them at the time was over a quarter mile out in the lake. It was a really long dock because they would have like four or five ships on each side, mm-hmm. and there was a letter written by a guy who experienced... quarter mile long quarter mile. dock. Yeah, so it's about sixteen hundred feet. It wasn't the biggest dock ever in Marquette, no. but it was a big dock, and uh, someone who wrote a letter to his family the night, the day after the fire, said it was actually kind of a beautiful sight seeing this big ore dock on fire all the way out. It was kind of like a giant sparkler, a giant Christmas ornament. Of course, realizing that everything was burning down, you know, he was, uh, you know, perhaps not the best thing to write, but it no. looked like that. And he also said in the letter that so many buildings were burning that you could see these embers floating down from the sky the size of his hand. Wow. Yeah. Size of a hand. Size of size of an adult hand too, not just like okay. a, you know a 12-year-old hand, but the size of an adult hand. And they were just floating all around Marquette, and that caused another problem because it was windy out. Oh. And so pretty soon these embers started to land on the buildings that didn't burn. And what happens when you have a hot ember on a wooden building, Arrow? It burns? It burns. (laughs) Wow. So pretty soon, basically all of Marquette from the lake to 4th Street and from Bluff Street down to Superior Street, and I'll tell you the story about that in a sec, was on fire. Wow. The entirety of downtown Marquette. You did kind of cover this already, but Mm -hmm. 
we remind us where did it start? Okay, it started at the old Marquette and Ontonagon rail yards, which is where the old train station is okay. in Marquette now. So. Okay. Wow. Okay. Hmm. Um, how much of an impact did it have on the community? It had an amazing impact on the community, and I'll I'll tell you why. I was explaining how Marquette was like the bedroom of a 12-year-old boy, right? Mm -hmm. It was all dirty. It was made of wood. After the fire ended, and the fire did eventually end about 2 in the morning, um, and Marquette was very lucky because not the entire city burned down. What happened was I had mentioned that the fire had burned down to Superior Street, which is what we now call Barriga Avenue, okay? Barriga Avenue, or Superior Street, was designed to be Marquette's main street. That's why it's 95 feet wide. Didn't end up being Marquette's main street, but it was designed to be Marquette's main street. The fire hmm. couldn't jump the street, so it stopped right here. If the fire had kept going south, it probably would have burned the entire city. So, But Should anyway, I... anyway, to get back to your, the story, you wanted to know how it affected Marquette, mm -hmm. right? So after the fire... Um, because everything had been built of wood and caught fire real quickly, uh, the people who ran Marquette decided on a couple of things. One, they decided, we probably need a fire department. <laughs> so they actually hmm, got Maybe we should got, get a fire department. Yeah, you know, it's not a bad idea. So they got the money not only to get a fire department, but to put a, a, a water system in. So you know oh, okay. how like, yeah, when, yeah. when you turn your tap on and get water? Yeah. That's the water system they designed. In fact, some of the pipes they laid in 1869 are still being used today. So I don't trust that. <laughs> but, so. but let me explain the other important thing, okay? Because uh, you asked how this had affected Marquette. Because everything was built out of wood, the city declared that you could no longer build buildings in downtown Marquette out of wood. You had to use locally sourced stuff that wouldn't burn, which meant two things. You could either, sandstone. You could build it out of brick or out of sandstone. So because of that fire, Marquette has all of these gorgeous sandstone buildings that are still sitting around. And then some of them got shipped to Iowa on a 28-car train. Oh, yeah. Too. And in all honesty, Marquette used to have a lot more in the way of sandstone buildings. But like in the 1960s, uh, there was this thing called urban renewal where you had to tear down your old buildings and replace them with parking lots so yeah i know i know so if they hadn't done that we would have had even more sandstone buildings but i guess we should be thankful for the ones that we have now but did the city hall or any buildings of governmental importance burn yes uh in fact marquette had bought just built with two years prior to that a new city hall building with all the records actually which is which was right across the street from where the Children's Museum is now, mm. where there's a parking lot. And the fire destroyed all of the records for the city of Marquette, destroyed all of the records for the county of Marquette. The Mining Journal had just started in Marquette. They built, they had a building next to the city hall. That burned too. The only way that we actually know some of the stuff that happened was the Nagani newspaper wrote about it. <laughs> <laughs> and... I had mentioned the, the Peter White story, the, the story of how mm -hmm. Peter White brought everything out into the lake. Well, they brought, obviously, they saved it. They right. brought it back in that night when the fire was done. The next morning, 
down uh, where Founders Landing is now. They took two pork barrels, a couple slats of wood, made a table, started to give everyone their money back. And all of that money was what helped rebuild Marquette. I'd imagine. Yeah. Um, so is that one of the three times that the cathedral um, up on Barriga Street burned? Believe it or not, no, uh, because that was far enough away. Okay. Would you like to hear the story of the three times the cathedral burned? Because <laughs> I can tell it to you if you want. I guess. Okay. It has to do with fire. Well, 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 duh. And by the way, it only burned twice because that's the third cathedral there. But oh. it, it burned the first time in the 1870s because it was this rickety wooden building. But it was outside a of rickety the, wooden cathedral. Yeah, yeah, but it was outside the limit where you couldn't, where you could still build things with wood. So there's a story or two possible stories as to why the the, the first cathedral burned. Uh, the first story was that the guy who was in charge of it, the priest at the time, was really popular. His name was Father John Kenny. He was transferred to Mackinac Island. And one of the stories goes that they burned, the parishioners burned the church down because they were mad. The other story, which is probably a little more believable, is that that wooden building was so rickety that uh, they had to start the coal furnace on Thursday to get it warm enough for the weekend. And it probably burned that way. So that's probably the reason, although it's interesting to note that the uh, diocese did bring Father Kenny back from Mackinac Island, just in case. And then they built a sandstone one, Mm -hmm. and that burned in 1938 because the coal furnace Mm -hmm. uh, got out of control. They burned in 1935. They spent three years rebuilding it to the church that it is now, and that opened in 1938. And so far, it hasn't burned again. So keep your fingers crossed. Yeah. Um, You said train stations burned, but did any trains burn, and did trains bring water? Um, no, the trains didn't bring water, and actually a lot of train cars and a lot of material did burn mm-hmm. uh, because three of the four ore docks yeah. burned down. Okay. And there were uh, cars uh, that uh, burned. Uh, they lost a lot of iron ore, uh, a lot of train tracks because they were building more tracks, so a lot of the, the wooden rails burned as mm-hmm. well. Um, but... Uh, you had also asked if they uh, used uh, trains to bring water in. No, they didn't no. Uh, because of the fact that we this all happened so here. quickly. Yeah. And we have but, yeah, but And what happened was the, the one dock that was still in use, which was the Cleveland dock, which is the, the one that has the short pier mm-hmm. uh, where you can walk on it, um, there was a freighter there. And uh, they had a pump on that freighter, and they were actually trying to pump the water from the lake to fight the fire. Hmm. By the time they finally got it to work, the fire was done. So. Yeah. Was school or work canceled, or was all the schools just burned to the ground? Well, this was in the middle of June. Uh, Okay, so school was out anyway. so school was out. Um, So many businesses burned. In fact, out of the entire, what is it, eight-block area, one building survived. That was it. That's because it was a stone building. And what? Which building was that? Uh, it's uh, it was torn down right after okay. the fire. It was basically a warehouse that they used to store some okay. stuff. Uh, no, but believe and it or not, where was that? Uh, let's see, now that would be about where Ordock Brewing is now. Okay. So somewhere right around there. 
Okay. So on, <laughs> on, on Spring Street. Um, but believe it or not, uh, the, the next day, people went back to work digging everything out, figuring what they had, uh, because there was the equivalent of about $35 million in damage. That was my uh, next question. Today, yeah. Wow. And, and you want to know the really bad thing, too? Less than 20% of that was covered by insurance. No one had insurance back in 1868. So, you know, those who did got really lucky, but the rest of them just had a start from the beginning. Well, um, that's sad. <laughs> Were there any casualties? Or since everybody was at their houses in South Marquette, did anybody die? Well, there's an interesting story to that, okay? First of all, it's amazing that no one died in that fire. Uh, a lot of people were hurt, uh, everything from being hit from falling embers to um, you know just suffering various injuries, carrying things around. Um, the only body that happened to get injured uh, from this was uh, the day before the fire, a logger by the name of McGilligan had died in Marquette of natural causes. Mm -hmm. They had his body on a dock waiting to get stuck on a boat so they can bring him back to Canada, where he was from, yeah. to get buried. Unfortunately, Mr. McGilligan had an early cremation because of the fire, mm -hmm. and his body was the only casualty of the Great Fire of 1868. Casualty. <laughs> so you said it spread of because of the embers right did was it also like did because people were obviously sp spitting tobacco on the sidewalks and stuff and that burns well so mm -hmm. were the wooden sidewalks walks covered in tobacco and stuff basically a fuse almost to go and burn parts of it or was it mainly the embers uh it, it was a little bit of both like i said there were so many wooden structures in the city <laughs> that, uh, and, and it was so windy that obviously a wooden sidewalk that's covered with tobacco juice or horse poop, which also burns real yeah. well, by the way, uh, you know, would just all of a sudden light up in, in flames. Yeah. It, it was an inferno waiting to happen. I mean, when you consider that, that there's all this old wood uh, just lying around, you know, old dry wood, it's... Yeah. Part of me is like, wow, I'm surprised that didn't happen in 1850, the year after Marquette was founded. So, yeah. How many churches burned? Um, in that fire, uh, I can't totally say for sure, probably two or three. Oh. You know, this, this was when a lot of... Uh, Churches were just basically sometimes being held in people's, you know, the services were yeah. being held in people's houses. Okay, so yeah. they didn't have buildings right. yet. Right, although, here's another interesting story. One church literally did burn because the First Presbyterian Church was just getting underway. And they had ordered all of the materials they needed for their new building. The pews, the altar, uh, the, the wainscoting, all the stuff that you need for a church. They had it shipped to Marquette. And it was stuck uh, on, it arrived here on June 10th, the day before the fire. Mm -hmm. It was on a dock waiting for them to it's pick on up. On a dock. And what happened to most of the docks, including the one that the First Presbyterian Church had all their stuff on? Burned. Burned. So literally, the First Presbyterian Church burned even before 
it had been built. But the amazing thing is they were able to get enough material shipped to Marquette after the fire that they had their church built in time for Christmas of that year. Christmas. Mm -hmm. From June to... Yeah. Churches take a long time to build, but... <laughs> well, it, it ended up being a wooden church, okay? And okay. then in 1928, um, because it was an old wooden church... Yeah. There used to be a coal yard in where Lower Harbor Park is now. The first yes. Presbyterian church is right up the hill from it. And you know how we were talking about embers? Yeah. An ember from the coal yard uh, went up the hill, landed on the roof of the f second first Presbyterian church. And what happened to it? It burned. Yeah. And then a couple of years later, they built the big white one that's there mm -hmm. now. So that's, so that's another church that has a problem with fire. Yeah. So did the whole coal yard burn then? There, well, there wasn't a coal yard at that time. Okay. When the fire started, um, where Lower Harbor Park is now, that was yeah. all lake. That hadn't been filled in yet. Oh, okay. And there was a dock, the Jackson dock, that uh, when you're walking around Lower Harbor Park, there's that bike right. path right next to the lake yeah. where you can jump off into the water. That's actually hey, built. you're not built, supposed to do that. Well, where some people illegally jump off of the, the into the water. That is actually built on the pilings of the old Jackson Dock, which was one of the okay. first docks in market. So that's oh, okay. one of the docks that burned. What did the rebuilding process look like? It was messy. I mean, obviously the fire was messy because, first of all, they had to clean everything up. And then they had to figure out, is it worth opening my business again? You know, mm -hmm. uh, what's, you know is this fire going to happen again? And then when the city decided that you couldn't use wood anymore, slowly but surely, people started to uh, put buildings together mm -hmm. and, um, you know, started to build the Marquette yeah. that we know now today. It took probably 20 years after the fire, uh, but by the early 1890s, most of the buildings that we're familiar with now, everything from the Savings Bank building to the Harlow block, uh, were constructed, and Marquette was ready huh. to go. How many fire departments and firefighters were there? Were there any fire departments in the UP at this time? Um, there, or any fire trucks? N well, no, because this was before no? trucks were invented. <laughs> well, fire wagons? <laughs> uh, no, uh, there weren't any in the area at all. And that, that was one of the things, like I was saying before, that the fire actually caused uh, was Marquette needed a fire department. So Peter White and a bunch of other people actually ended up raising what was the equivalent now of almost two and a half million dollars, not only to build the water system, but to uh, get some fire pumper trucks yeah. and to build a fire hall. Uh, which was just over on Spring Street, right across the street from where the Ordock Brewery is. Huh. And that was Marquette's first fire hall. They used um, that until the 1970s. How long did the fire last? Fire it did not last very long. It was out about four hours after uh, it started, but the amount of damage that it caused would make you think that it had been burning for two days. Huh. So you said it took 35 million dollars to rebuild was mm -hmm. that in today's money yeah a pro okay and that's an approximation mm -hmm. um be because so many records were burned during the fire <laughs> uh, it's kind of hard to tell what some of the buildings might have mm -hmm. been worth but they ended up spending approximately 35 million dollars just the first year 
uh, in doing that. And that doesn't count all of the old big sandstone buildings that they built from the 1870s through mm-hmm. the 1910s. So. And is that ordinance of no wooden buildings still in effect today? It is. Yes. Yeah, that's why if you go through downtown Marquette, you may notice like wooden second floors and third floors in some buildings. Uh-huh. But if you look on the bottom floor, you will see no wood at all. You'll see brick, you'll see sandstone, but you won't see wood. Huh. It's a lasting um, legacy of the fire of 1868. So, so with that, were they allowed to put wood on afterwards then? If you see wood in second and third floor? Yeah, uh, it, there, there are some places where you can see in the upper floors, they do have a little bit of wood, and that's okay. Mm-hmm. But they were more concerned about the, the base of the building yeah. because the, that's yeah. where the fire you know, caught on all of these. I mean, that hasn't stopped a lot of the, the buildings in, down, in Mark, downtown Marquette from burning, even with, you know, yeah. with stone, because I give this whole tour called Burn, Baby, Burn, the Infernos yeah. of Downtown Marquette, in which I talk about all the buildings that burned, so. Yeah. Um, so you said no more wooden buildings, but what other things other than the water system, fire department, and no wooden buildings were put in place to stop this? Um, were those the cement, main things? Those are the main things. Cement yeah. sidewalks. Whoa. Uh-huh. Market was really fancy back then. <laughs> and then you had to hire the sidewalk cleaners. Uh-huh, you did. Yep. And it it also occurred at a natural turning point in history because, you know, within 30 years of the fire, people stopped using horses and yeah. a few people started using automobiles. Then you needed to pave the streets and you didn't have Isn't to work. Isn't that one reason Barrago was so wide because of... It was livery stables. Well, it well it was designed. It was originally designed. It, there were a lot of livery mm-hmm. livery stables here, yeah. But it was designed to be Marquette's main street uh, because it came from the the exact point from Ripley's Rock where Amos Harlow and Peter White and mm-hmm. the gang landed on May seventh, eighteen forty nine. There's a problem with that though because there's Superior Street, Barriga Street, right next to it is Spring Street. It's called Spring Street because there's a spring feeding into it. They tried to build a lot of big buildings on Barriga, and they started to sink a little because the land is really wet. So that's why Marquette's Main Street ended up being Washington Street. Huh. Um. Oh, so you said no humans died, but did any animals? Unfortunately, yes. Oh. There some horses died. Uh, in fact, there was a livery stable uh, owned by Timothy Hurley, which was right on the corner of Barriga, well, Superior at that time, in front. Basically, mm-hmm. right down the, the street from the Children's yeah. Museum, and they did lose a couple horses. Mm-hmm. And I, I know that there were other animals yeah. who died. I'm, I'm. Do you know what efforts were used to try to save the horses that were in downtown Marquette? Um, I do know that they actually um, used some of the horses to try to hook them up to wagons to save as much personal yeah. items yeah. or materials as possible. Um, so the horses were actually working during that time, and they were just casualties of the fire, I guess. Hmm. Um, are there any photographs, obviously not videos of the fire? Not of the fire, and there are only two pictures that exist of downtown Marquette after the fire. One was taken on from Blaker Street, which is right behind where the landmark is mm-hmm. now, and all you can see is dust. And Just the, dust. Yeah, and the other was taken from approximately where the Savings Bank building is now. Okay. And in that picture, you can see the one surviving building. 
Okay, and, and that's then, the bank that has the clock tower. Yep. Yep. Oh, were there any pictures of downtown before the fire? Oh, there, there sure, there mm-hmm. sure were. And if you look at those pictures, you can just tell how ramshackle it was. There was just like wooden buildings stuck up against each other that looked like they're about to fall apart. Looks you, like modern day New York City. There's not a space between those buildings. Exactly. In fact, if you look at a picture. Uh, there's a, a picture uh, uh, taken on Front Street showing the Burt Block, which is where Upfront is now. And you can mm-hmm. see for two blocks, there's nothing but buildings stuck together. And they're all wood. Oh. And you just know that it's going to burn. So. <laughs> <laughs> you you would think it wouldn't take the whole half the town burning to, for them to say no more wooden buildings. Well, remember, Marquette was only 19 years old at the time. It was growing rapidly and people didn't have a lot of money. And it was a, you know, a frontier town. So it, it was fun. <laughs> so it was all industrial. Were there any gift shops? Nope. There Tourists? Were... Okay, how would a tourist get here in 1868? Boat. And that's the only tourists uh, who would have come here uh, would have had to come by boat. But no, there. I mean... No one came to the UP because it was in the middle of nowhere. And the only reason that some people lived here was because they were making a lot of money, uh, either cutting down trees uh, to build buildings or to because they ran To build roads. those wooden buildings. To build those wooden buildings that burned on June 11th, 1868. Yeah. Let's say I wanted to research this more. Where can I go? Well, there, there's not a... A, a lot uh, that actually exists, but what you can do is you can go to the Marquette Regional History Center, or you can go to Longyear Library. Yeah, go to MarquetteHistory.org, um, and on MarquetteHistory.org there is a link to a, the History Center's YouTube page. Mm-hmm. And uh, on the 150th anniversary of the fire five years ago, I made a six-minute-long video about oh, the history and you can all those pictures that we were talking yeah. about you can see them in that video and hear the entire story of how Marquette burned. Wow. Thank you for um coming to so we can interview you. You know if there's one thing I'd Just love ask to ask all you you all the questions. If there's one thing I'd love to do it's talk about the fire of 1868 so you're more than welcome. Thank you so much Jim for coming in so we could interview you. Have a great day. Goodbye.